Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's the Underpowered Hour on this week's show. We're joined by Chris Walker to talk about off-roading, rebel rallying, and worldwide adventures. And now, without further delay, here's the show. Welcome to the Underpowered Hour. I'm Steve Barris, mild-mannered television executive by day and Land Rover collector by night. You can find out more about our cars and what we're working on at thebarriscollection.com or follow us on Instagram at thebarriscollection. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Ike Goss. Thank you to everyone joining us today. I am the usable load space to Stephen's cramped cargo area. I'm the practical rear end of podcasting. I guess. I own and operate Pangolin 4x4 in Springfield, Oregon, where we live and breathe Land Rovers. Check us out online on Facebook, Instagram at Pangolin 4x4. Let's get started. All right, Ike and Jenna. Well, we have a super special episode today. We're going to jump uh, right into it because we have our good friend Chris Walker from Overland Training Canada, from the Rebel, from the, you know, he is really he's everywhere. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. He's everything to everyone. And a uh, good friend of the show, good friend, obviously, of Liza and Jenna, as a lot of training happened uh, with Chris over the years. And so we're, we're really lucky to have an inside track, if you will, with him and uh, get him on the show and talk about stuff. So I think without further ado, we'll just jump right into that interview. So uh, here we go. All right. All right. Well, we are here finally with international celebrity and all-around good guy, Chris Walker, who owns uh, Overland Training Canada and is the, the director of training there, amongst literally hundreds of other things. I have a, a question list on my right-hand side here. Uh, we had to bring in some extra equipment to be able to roll it down onto the floor. It's just it's such an incredible wealth of experiences, of knowledge, and uh, everything else. So, Chris, thank you. I apologize it's taken us so long to get you on the show, but we put Jenna on it and it happened inside of a week. So uh, we were just, you know, just, just, just goes to Ike and I's credit of not being great at scheduling things, but welcome. And uh, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Good morning. So first off, let's start a little bit about for those few who, who haven't experienced Overland Expo or have maybe participated in the Rebel Rally, have done some kind of off-road training, maybe got to a Land Rover experience and may not know you. Give us the give us the elevator pitch on uh, Chris Walker. <laughs> 
sometimes I ask that myself. Um, you know, I'm going to go for the humble approach. So if we look at the off-road industry, I'm, I'm a relatively newcomer. I mean, I've been in the industry now for probably 11, 12 years, but in the grand sense of um, like longevity, especially with some of your previous guests, like the Campbell Trophy folks mm -hmm. and, and lots mm -hmm. of other people like that, I, I'm a fairly newcomer. However, I've been very lucky through my own drive and determination, but also being presented some amazing opportunities that I created and had a really diverse background in this industry alone, and post some of the other stuff that I've done in my life, which has some relevancy to what I do now. So I own the company Overland Training Canada. We started that about 11 years ago. And essentially, we're a professional off-road education organization that predominantly works with industry, heavy industry, mm -hmm. educating people in the use of vehicles, machines, ATV, snowmills, snowcats, uh, light to medium duty vehicles in the workplace, but also within a lot of other aspects to do with things like the Rebel Rally, Overland Expo, the off-road rallies up in the Pacific Northwest, working with vehicle manufacturers, equipment manufacturers, expeditions, film, the whole nine yards. So it's pretty broad, but like I said, a fairly young career compared to some of the people that I look up to and have been mentored and, and taught by. Nice. Yeah, they were they were uh, training people on chariots. Yeah, some of those absolutely. folks. Yeah, they were before. I'm not going to say that to some of them. The <laughs> I wouldn't get away with that. Yeah, in a few cases. Jeff Aronson has been writing articles about them since. Uh, yeah, since it was horse-drawn Land Rover. He's know. a fantastic. Yes, he's a, he's a, a huge friend of the show and and a wonderful wonderful individual. So let's let's dive into it a little bit. So what's the story behind Overland Training Canada? What inspired you to say? You know, listen, we we need to train these Canadians. This, it doesn't sound like you're a native British Columbian. You know, what what inspired you to to set that to that space up and to start training people to do that work? Well, I, I think there's several ways I can approach this. You know, what it's and just for clarity, we don't just operate in Canada. We're we're an international organization. This year alone, we've been in Morocco, the U.S., Canada, U.K., all sorts of places. So the the inspiration behind the creation of the company came about through my background. I have a background in sports science performance coaching mm -hmm. as a degree. Mm. I spent a long time in my career working in the outdoor industry. I mean, that's my primary focus in terms of career. Mm -hmm. So I've worked with mountain rescues before the rescue oh, okay. teaching, yep. mm -hmm. a whole variety of things in the mountains, on the oceans, and on, on the rivers there. So I moved to Canada 18 years ago, immediately started working for the mountain, working with snowcats working on the ocean with boats in an educational and operational manner. Mm -hmm. I ended up meeting a chap called Bob Burns, synonymous in the industry. Of course, yeah. Absolute oh, yeah. icon, amazing, amazing yeah, guy. We know Bob well. Yeah, a fantastic guy, huge mentor of mine. He was running the Range Rover Evoke launch program, press program yeah. that happened to be in Vancouver, Whistler. This is 2011, maybe? Yeah, something like that. And I ended up being the safety liaison for Whistler Blackcomb between Whistler Blackcomb and Jaguar Land Rover North America for that program. Nice. In, a, in a short story, I ended up on that program for the duration, um, working with Bob and the team. And for some reason, Bob liked what I was doing. And there was a an opportunity on the Land Rover Experience mobile team for North America that he invited me to, to join and see how I fared. And then that led to many, many years with that team and the iconic people on that team. And during that time, I saw a niche in that I wanted to 
have my own business, especially based in Canada, mm-hmm. as well as doing the LRE stuff. Mm-hmm. And I recognized that there was no real opportunities for vehicle machine education in Canada and somewhat in North America in terms of occupational health and safety. Mm-hmm. I mean, I come from the UK mm-hmm. and that's almost the home or <laughs> the origin of occupational health and safety. Love it or hate Certainly it. there is so a, there's a that. fan base there for occupational health and oh, safety that rivals anywhere else in the world. That's for sure. <laughs> so yeah, so I have that background. So I saw that as an opportunity and I created a, a business plan and it has run there ever since. And now we, we educate several thousand people a year mm-hmm. in industry. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the short story of where it all came from. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So is that your origin story with Land Rovers in addition to your origin story with your business or did that come about previously? No, I'm a Brit. So I, it kind of, <laughs> I have green blood. It runs in my veins. I've been around have them pills all that, my no. life. I, I, I remember we lived in a place called Alderminster, so south of Stratford-upon-Avon, okay, kind of yeah. near the heart of yeah. where Land Rover hey, really hey, kind of circles yeah. there, Gaydon and that area. And next door was a, a house butted up against a big arable rural field mm-hmm. and a, a reasonable-sized farm, um, on British terms at least. And I was really good school friends with the son of the owner of the farm. Anyway, the son of the, or the owner of the farm had a handful of Land Rovers, as every farmer did in those days, and I ended up playing around in the farm. I was probably 10, 8, 9, 10 at this age, in the farm, helping the farmer do all sorts of stuff, rattling around in old Land Rovers. And I think one of the very first vehicles that I remember driving was an old Series 2A, I think it was, from the farm. Mm-hmm. Nice. And that's really sort of where the affinity started. And then the, I guess the other part, we have a family cottage in Daniel in North Wales, mm-hmm. um, 15 minutes for... Treth Koch, Red Wolf Bay, yeah. which is, as we all know, the iconic beach that the Wilkes brothers spent some time on with their very early Land Rovers. Neat. That's very cool. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So how is it that you came then to be, and I guess this is for about the last five years, in charge of the training program for Overland Expo? Where did that, where did that relationship start? Well, that's an interesting story. So Overland Expo started many years ago, Jonathan Rosan. Um, and a handful of people created Overland Expo. And right out of the get-go, some amazing people, Nick Taylor, Graham Jackson, mm-hmm. Andy Dacey, Duncan Barber, yep. Ken Cameron, started an organization called 7P Overland. Phenomenal trainers, phenomenal organization. They ran the training for Overland Expo for a long time. And then as the organization evolved in terms of, terms of Overland Expo, the new owners you know, sometimes business relationships yeah. run their course all in a very, very positive, very, very happy way. Mm-hmm. Um, and 7P decided to move on to do some some other work and take some other opportunities yep. and focus elsewhere. And within 12 hours, not even, I think, I got a phone call directly from the new owners of Overland Expo to tell me that I need to take this job. And I mean, as a backstory, I done lots and lots of work with 7P. So I was right, there okay. teaching at Overland mm-hmm, Expo mm-hmm. anyway with 7P in the training area. So I was already super familiar, um, knew the organizations, knew the owners, knew the operations. So seemingly I seem to be the best fit, the best fit for or the best person they wanted to call, which is a huge compliment <laughs> when you look at so many other people out there in the industry that have done amazing things before me for and sure. around me. So some awesome. Yeah, and I, yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh! I, I, so I, I mean, I didn't. They didn't really give me much choice. Um, Lindsay and Jessica are fairly driven ladies, so it was a. You're taking this job. Um, here's what we're going to offer. 
you're going to say yes, and we'll send you the contract this afternoon. And that's about it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And you're involved, obviously, with, with more than just that group of very uh, driven ladies, as yes. Jenna and Liza are very familiar with you, of course, because of your work with the Rebel Rally, of which we are of course, uh, huge fans of and Eliza participants in and sponsors and all that sort of stuff. So um, maybe let Jenna, uh, as she has uh, much more upfront experience with you in that venue, uh, sort of talk about that for a minute. Uh, the, you know, the Rebel Rally is yeah. probably one of the highlights um, of A, my career in this industry, but B, every year. I'm, I'm very, very lucky. Emily Miller, the owner and the founder of the Rebel Rally, and, a very, and I are very close friends. I work with her directly on Rebel U, the internal mm -hmm. education right. portion of Rebel Rally, as one of her instructors, and myself, Matthew Johnston, and a couple of other folks there. Some of the main instructors, so I get to travel with her in a variety of locations throughout the year, delivering Rebel U specific courses that are designed to prepare women of any experience for the rebel rally so that's one part and then the other part which is kind of really the highlight is i'm part of the safety team and one of the media drivers for the rebel rally itself so i get to drive typically actually emily's personal vehicle um on the rebel rally on course every day with a fairly open um, canvas of where i can go i'm one of the few people who's allowed to move around the course fairly openly um <laughs> in a variety of different roles, ensuring that we get some of the photographers, videographers to their locations to get the amazing media that comes out of the Rebel Rally. And then I'm one of the primary responders to anything that happens on course in terms of mechanics or instant injury issue, whatever it might be. So, yeah. Jenna. Yeah, and it's always a delight Jenna? to see Chris out on course. We're always like, we always wave at him. <laughs> like, yeah. Chris, that's Chris. Right. And, yeah, I, <laughs> it is. It's, it's fun, so amazing uh, little, seeing uh, all the women. Yeah. <laughs> We had a fun convoy up a mountain, I think, the past October. And uh, I will say on the Rebel U, there's, there's one video about kind of recovery. And there's no discussion of Land Rovers in this video, but it is entirely classic night or classic defenders. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty great on the, on the Rebel U online. Yeah. So. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. It's good to see a whole variety of cars out there. It was great to see you two out there in the 130 this year, which was really, really fun to see. And then it's really good to see old Toyotas, old Land Rovers out there. I think that's that's really the beauty of the Rebel. It's accessible to anyone with any kind of vehicle, and it's really focused on non-modified vehicles. So the the playing field is fairly leveled in that way, and it comes down to really, which is what Emily wants, the, the skill and the determination, the drive of the navigators and the drivers and in, in the, the women teams there. That's super cool. Chris, in that, there's one of the Rebel U videos online that where you're doing recovery and it's up there, it's up at your, you know, in, in BC. And it's like all, you know, fun, old defenders, older defenders. So yeah. Is this your personal fleet? Can you tell us about I wish that? I had a fleet of, ah. of old Land Rovers. <laughs> no, you don't. Actually, no, trust me, you don't. Yeah. No, no I don't. don't. Well, I do and I don't. <laughs> I, know what, I know the consequences. That, the LR4 that I was with was Penny Dale. Hmm. That was her personal car, and Penny Dale is one of my instructors. She also owns her own business in terms of graphic design. That's kind of her normal world. But she's also a multi-year rebel rally competitor and a rebel rally winner 
G1 oh, wow. with Shelby Hall in X Cross in a Bronco Sport. Right. First year the Bronco Sport mm -hmm. was out, so that's really cool. Um, so she has a really unique insight into the Rebel Rally. And then I think the other cars, was there a Series 2 Discovery there? And was there a green 130? I don't remember. I remember the video, but I, I can't remember I the like, cars. Yeah, I was thinking there were like two or three classic yeah. defenders in there and then a couple of other more... You know, yeah, like the LR4 and maybe a Discovery yeah. or something. And I think mine was there as well. There's, I have a handful of friends in, um, that I spend more time personally in the woods with enjoying camping and, mm -hmm. and driving and what have you. And most of them are old Land Rover fans. I mean, like, I like all <laughs> brands of cars, really, from modern to old. Mm -hmm. But my affinity being a Brit is definitely... It's definitely the little green badge there. You can't help it. You can't help it. Tell us about, <laughs> tell us about your Land Rover, Chris. My current Land Rover is a Defender 90, 1996. Mm -hmm. it, it was originally cool. an Italian Carabinera car, so an Italian police car. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I was looking for a vehicle that was no corrosion, no rust. And I was really lucky. I got in before the kind of explosion in price and the explosion in sourcing these vehicles. So I imported mine from Italy via the UK. It came with an interesting motor, and I'm, you, you might have to correct me because my memory's a little vague. It had that old two-liter Rover T16 engine in, is it? Which has uh, about as much torque yeah. as a small hand blender. Yes. Would barely climb a hill, but it would it would rip along on the flat roads. I think when the Italian police force ordered those cars through the SV division of Land Rover back in the day, they Italy had huge taxes on diesel, ah. so they couldn't order vehicles at 200 TDI, 300 TDI. Right. So they had to have it converted prior to, in the factory, to this petrol engine, gas engine. Right. So anyway, that arrived. It was clearly not going to cut the mustard for what I wanted it to do, so put it back to its roots, and there's a 300 TDI oh, in there now. And actually, the conversion was ultra easy. It was one wire on the wiring loom that just needed moving in a pin socket. The engine mounts were moved, but everything else was all exactly the same. Same transmission, same gearbox, 380, yeah. LT230. Yeah. Straight in there, slightly different bell housing, so that was changed, but it was a very, very simple conversion. And I wanted to put it back to factory. As it was specs. intended, yeah. So, As it was intended, yeah. Exactly. And I've done nothing with it other than... I think there's a rear tire carrier on it just to save the door a little mm -hmm. bit. Just a suspension leveling kit, standard two-inch HD kit. Same size tires, and that's it. Yep. So it's a very, very standard little car that I've driven all sorts of places and all sorts of fun trails. I love the ability to be able to take stock old cars to places that modern cars go, but sometimes I think there's just a bit more, I, I don't know what the right word is, a little bit more culture in driving. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Actually, you know what? I'm really confident in that little car. More, almost more so sometimes than some of the modern stuff. But, right. Uh, <laughs> I love the ability that you have to drive an old car like that with open differentials mm -hmm. with skill to go to places that modern cars go. Now, I got a question for you. Speaking of trails, do you have any recommendations on places to explore? Oh, uh, I mean... Narrow it down somewhere. <laughs> yeah, just like you yeah, know, your like favorite, your top, whatever. Right, you your top, one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like okay, what's so what's one favorites. that blew your skirt up? What, what's one that uh, was really exciting? Mm -hmm. Just because 
we people probably don't talk about yeah that not much. at all so in the uk there's not a whole lot of off-road opportunities just because uh, land use rights and what have you there's a huge right. act called the right to roam act so people can walk and hike and horse ride mm-hmm. Lots and lots of places all over the UK. The path and network system is amazing, but in terms of driving, it's very, very limited. So one of the most iconic trails is a trail called Strata, Florida. Mm. And it is sensational. It starts in mid-South Wales mm-hmm. near the Senny Bridge military grounds, a little further north than that. And it runs its way up central Wales through the mountains and ends up in Clawen, Eland Valley Dam area, which is a quite a remote part of Mid Wales that doesn't see too much visitation in terms of foot traffic and vehicle traffic. Mm-hmm. But it's just a classic day trip with amazing terrain, heaps and heaps of water crossings, and just beautiful wild scenery. It just it just makes them smile. And then you end up at Strata, Florida, which is an old abbey, and you're gonna. Forgive me if I get the date wrong, but the Abbey originated in something like the 11th century, 12th century. Wow. So you end up with this amazing trail ending up in this really cool piece of old old history as the ruins of this Abbey there. That's awesome. It's just, just a beautiful, beautiful day out. It's one of my favorite days. And it's a, it's a one-day trip? Yeah. This, I mean, uh, you can camp trip. on it, no problem at all. I mean, mm-hmm. I think if you were an inexperienced novice driver, it might take you a day or two or a really okay. long day. And there's some really <laughs> nice little camping spots in the woods there, but... Someone who has some ex- driving experience, It'd be all right without rushing at all, an easy day. It's more just it's a long distance on little single track country lanes to get to. Right. So it's just a duration, a location. Right. Right. Very cool. That's yeah. You don't really think mm-hmm. about like yeah, yeah. You don't really think about like off roading in Wales, but it's funny because we were just over there uh, just recently, Eliza and I, and mm. that's what Mike Bishop was doing. Like the day after we saw him, he, you know, unfortunately we had to get into London, but he was off to Wales for a couple days uh, of off roading out there. So uh, yeah, it sounds fantastic. I I would love to next time. Next time we're gonna go for sure. It's so pretty. I I don't think people understand how pretty bits of the uk well all the uk but places like those bits of wales or the peak district or the lake district yep. scottish highlands is it's it's staggering um another trail just somewhere in north america i mean there's classics there's the alexander mckenzie in bc there's mm-hmm. whipsaw in bc mm-hmm. there's i mean the rebel rally terrain is just yeah staggering yeah incredible the west of the u.s is really tra- lovely yeah. oh my gosh washington backcountry discovery route mm-hmm. oregon backcountry mm-hmm. discovery routes the Road to Tuk Tuk Tuk, the Dempster. Yeah, let's talk about the Dempster all, for a second. Not a lot of people have done have done that particular journey. Did you start? Where did you start? Did you start in, in British Columbia or in Upper Alberta or? Yeah, so we did a trip. I've done it a few times now. Yeah. So myself and a chap called Ray Highland mm-hmm. and a, a friend of mine, partner of mine, took two old Land Rovers, mine, Defender 1996, and Ray's classic 78 i think it might have been um all the way to tuk from the u.s border so we came up with an idea actually a funny story that we wanted to drive from the u.s border all the way to the beaufort sea of the arctic Mm -hmm. ocean using the new road Mm -hmm. that runs from the tip of the dempster from inuvik to tuk yeah at the time that road was in construction Mm -hmm. So it wasn't open to the public, and it wasn't going to be open to the public for about three years, right. two and a half, three right. years. So Ray and I are sitting there in his house having a cocktail, having some dinner with his lovely wife, Marianne. Uh, we come up with this harebrained idea, and I was like, I want, I really want to drive to Tuk Tuk. Yep. I want to do this new road. Yep. Ray's like, well, let's do it. It sounds great. I mean, tequila in. Yeah, of and, course. And scotch yeah. in where everything's possible. <laughs> ready to go. Stage. Nice and warm. Um, ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. 
problem was the road wasn't open, so Ray's like, why don't you contact the government and ask? I said, like, no, come on, Ray, that's never going to happen. Oh, yeah. two, two random chaps from BC, they're never going to get permission to, <laughs> to drive this road. So anyway, I was like, all right, you know what? Let's send them a message and see what happens. So I found the construction company. I found the hedge of project for the government, and I found his email, mm-hmm. and I sent him a message, and within 48 hours, he replies saying, that sounds great. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's go for a rip. Yeah, that sounds... Yeah, so I, I like rub my eyes. <laughs> scratch my head for a minute and then i call ray i'm like uh about the road to tuck, about the road to tuck. that's awesome so they said yes and we'd made no plans <laughs> we'd made no more effort to like do any due diligence or or, or organization for this trip yeah. and then within i think it was like five weeks like okay shoot we got to get going and do this thing now ray had did you go summer gone. or uh, or winter i guess or as the high northerners uh, so say summer. did you go so, uh, yeah, did you go ice road or ferry <laughs> no so it's, it's the summer so the road that they that they've built now yeah. was a road that was designed to reduce the need to use the ice road on the mackenzie delta yeah. there so really it was an all-weather road running across the tundra there mm-hmm. so that the community of Tuktayuktuk yep. and the community of Inuvik can travel between the two communities with more modern life because until that road was built Tuktayuktuk was a remote community that was only accessible by plane yeah or by the ice road in the winter yep. or by two barge deliveries in the summer yep. so they would have all of their supplies for their entire year food clothing That's medical nice. supplies yeah. you name mm-hmm. it that was brought in by those methods mm-hmm. and as society was evolving and the community was evolving up there they decided that a, an all-weather road would be a good option an extension to the dempster yep. so that was the portion that we wanted to do we wanted to be the people that would drive that road for the first time right. very cool so we ray had some challenges with his range Rover with some engine issues yep. so he got that sorted out literally up until the night before we we left mm-hmm. and it took us we left from Pisach, mm-hmm. u.s border yep. there and drove all the way north to um, Dawson City, lots of other places on the way, lots of off-roading on the way. I think the trip up there was about two weeks. Nice. Old, slow Land Rover was uncomfortable. And we got to the classic Dempster there, drove the Dempster, stayed in Inuvik for the night, met the chap from the head of the project Mm -hmm. the day before we were dated to go on this road. Mm -hmm. We're in his office, got some great pictures, had some amazing conversation, but the weather was terrible. Oh, yeah. Because the road was so early in its construction mm-hmm. phase, the road was really, really wet because of the rain um, and too soft for us to drive. Ah. So we'd driven for two weeks to get there with this highlight being the Arctic Ocean and and Tuktoyaktuk. And he's like, nope, you can't go. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. Okay, what do we do? So he's like, well, let's do this. Let's meet again in the morning because I hope and I suspect that the... The wind and the cool weather that we're going to have over the next 24 hours will dry the road out. And the road dries out pretty quick Mm -hmm. because it's designed to shed water and and, and not absorb it. So it has a a firm base Mm -hmm. to it. So we're like, okay, so we go find a hotel in Inuvik, which is hard in its Inuvik, yeah, exactly. Not exactly a bustling metropolis. No, exactly. Pretty place, Mm -hmm. cool people. Mm -hmm. Um, So we go find a hotel, go back the next morning. And he's about to give us permission. And he's like, actually, what are you guys driving? (laughs) He hadn't asked that question up to this point. No, he was literally like, yeah, you guys can drive it. And why do you want to drive it? So right. we, we were writing right. for the Royal Geographic magazine, yeah. which is one of the parts to mm-hmm. being allowed permission to go there. And he comes down and says, like, oh, you guys you guys have four by fours. We're like, yes. So we, we talk about a little bit about our history mm-hmm. and what we've done. And he's like, oh, perfect. Yeah, you guys can go. Let me go get the your escort. Mm. 
So it was a, a construction worker right. or manager who escorted us on the road for the day. Right. Literally in a Ford Escort um, as well, which is, is just speaks to the, he was speaks in, to the he, capability of that an vehicle. An old Cortina yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah that would have yeah. been great. Very brand, <laughs> very British. Uh, <laughs> so no, he was in like a, I don't know, whatever it was, an F-150, yeah. F-350 giant, or something. Giant pickup, so giant he, construction pickup truck. Yeah, exactly. So he had to escort us. And we drive to the edge of Inuvik to where the road starts. And there's literally like a gate you would see at Fort Knox. <laughs> so it's a huge, massive iron gate, right. huge padlock right. on it or several padlocks on it. He unlocks it. takes three of us to push it open. Mm-hmm. We drive through and the gate clunks behind us. And we're sitting on the brand new road. Now you're in Jurassic Park. Like I said, it Park. was yeah. <laughs> almost. Yeah, actually, it's uh, we were so early in the construction phase. Most of the road was just it's, it's lower. Mm-hmm like main construction bed mm-hmm. there. Um, and it's 150 kilometers, 120 wow. kilometers from Inuvik to Tuck. Yeah. So we drove that road and the scenery was just staggering. And being the only people out there, um, other, other than the construction crews here and there, it was magical. Yeah. We arrive at the north end there into Tuck mm-hmm. on the outside, or mm-hmm. Tuck on the outskirts of, there, of the little village there. Another big gate. We go through that. He comes through and he's like, I'm going to go get a coffee with one of my buddies uh, and then I'm going to head back. You guys are staying overnight and can camp and I'll come and meet you at 10 a.m. the next morning and then we'll escort you back and there we go. Nice. So we, the gate swung behind us. We said goodbye to our escort, lovely chap. And we spent a few hours driving around town, just taking pictures, looking. And very quickly the word gets out and very quickly we're the word of the town. (laughs) Because they're all sitting there scratching their heads. <laughs> how did you get there? How, <laughs> how did we get there? We didn't see a bar right, coming. Right. So there's two old Land Rovers driving around their town. And we ended up out by the, the point there yep. where that old boat sits. It's an iconic little spot. Mm-hmm. Just taking some pictures, chatting, and what have you. And half the town is coming around to see us. Super awesome people. Really, really nice. We ended up talking to like the head taxi lady Mm -hmm. and she ended up showing us around town showed us around the community talked lots about the history and the culture and we we spent lots of time talking with them about what they thought of the new road Mm. there were lots of people really pro the new road but lots of people were really scared of the new road because they were scared that once the gates were taken down what would be the the effect on modern society on this quite old hunting subsistence community it's going to be more more rickety old that's land exactly rovers right albertans and i think that's albertans exactly what's happened. in rusty old land rovers we can't help ourselves <laughs> and all yeah. sorts of rvs from cruise canada drugs and alcohol yeah 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 that's exactly right yeah so, yeah and, and half the reason the big gates were there was because they didn't want people on that road too early yeah. Because the traffic and the road just not designed that. So 99.9% of people are amazing. We had a little run-in with one lady who was really mad at us um, because we were allowed in. And why couldn't she leave to go to Inuvik and buy a case of beer? Yeah. It was a dry community at the time. Mm. And for them to ship beer in via the plane, they'd have to smuggle it in. It cost several hundred dollars, apparently. So she was mad about right. that. Uh, the RCMP showed up, mm-hmm. two community officers, and they were they were lovely. But they're like, how the heck... Did you get here and why didn't we know about right, this? Right, right, right. Shrug shoulders, point at the ministry guy yeah. or the government guy yeah. back in Inuvik. But they, they were awesome. And we had a, a great time. And I don't know if you remember it. There's a little spit of land before you get into Tuk mm-hmm. proper mm-hmm. on the left-hand side. That's where we camped, oh, okay. overlooking the, the water there yeah. and overlooking that pingu. Cool. So amazing campsite. I heard it's been turned into like a... 
little tourist. Well, the development in Tuktoyaktuk is, you know, I think the folks that were concerned that, you know, Southern culture, which is funny, thinking about essentially northern Canada, but but that southern culture would would affect uh, those areas. Like, you know, you look at the mm-hmm. Niagara region and of Canada and stuff like that. Yep. And yeah, a lot of those indigenous communities, I mean, they're, you know, Canadians don't exactly have the best track record there. And yeah, I mean, it is, it's a much more, uh, you know, mainstream industrialized place, which is, you know, it's too bad. I think there's very few places that are completely untouched. Obviously, Alaska, you could drive from one side to the other. In fact, I Ike and I are going to take monkey bikes all the way from one south to north and back, I think. Awesome. Yeah, it's going to be great. Right after we uh, run right Yeah, we're in fact, we're just going to jump leave. out there right now. I'm going <laughs> to head right up now. there. But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting and it's so cool that you got to be there, you know, sort of before it was, you know, open to be something that just anybody could, you know, take the time. It doesn't, it's not a quick trip, uh, but to take the time no, absolutely. And, and go and do it, that's super cool. We, we, I think that trip for us was six yeah. weeks. So we were there, we were just there overnight in Tuck. We, we spent time in the community looking, talking to them about their hunting, looking at Ulu knives, talking yeah. about how they live and survive and the culture there and all that kind of stuff. And then we ended up by choice and by plan heading back south. We took one route up and a different mm-hmm. route back. I mean, it's one of my favorite routes anywhere. Mm-hmm. But we ended up going to Haida Gwaii or Guayanas. Mm-hmm. The islands off the north coast of BC cool. there from Prince Rupert, yeah. which is really, it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site, and it's really the home of, if you look at Canadian indigenous art yeah. um, and culture, really, Guayanas, Haida Gwaii is one of the epicenters of that. And the, it's a remote set of islands, very, very untouched, very, very well managed. Like we spent some time camping and exploring and just staggering place before we took the inside passage back to Vancouver Island and, nice. and back down that way. So right. huge cultural trip, but seeing some of Western Canada's most iconic terrain, wow. all the gold mining history yeah. and all sorts of stuff from the Klondike yeah. and First Nations. Yeah, very, very Dawson cool. Dawson City, all those famous uh, northern uh, places. Exactly. I mean, hopefully everybody gets a chance to visit uh, the far north of Canada uh, at some point in their lifetime because it is uh, there is uh, quite literally no other place on earth like it. It, is. it really is. It's becoming an iconic trip, yeah. but it's a long <laughs> especially if you're coming from from the u.s yeah and i think a lot of u.s travelers especially the people for the from the overland community are doing the road to tuck yep. and then they're going to the north slope to prudhoe mm, bay yeah well of course yeah the, uh, yeah that's what we're gonna do Alcantara. ike and i are doing prudhoe bay uh back down to anchorage you know just all on the monkey bike it's just gonna be just jamming along hopefully in the jamming summer. along i don't know maybe yeah. we'll see we'll see <laughs> we'll see Middle, middle of winter, winter. Yeah, we'll get some, we're going to get some, some studded tires on those monkey bikes and yeah, just, just go for a rip. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. We can't wait. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'd i like to switch gears just for a second and go back to uh, Overland mm. Training. I got a okay. couple of, a, a pair of questions related to that. And, you know, maybe this is just a, just a, a taste of, of what you can offer uh, our listeners should they want to get a training course what are some rookie mistakes you see people making when they first get into off-road driving question. oh gosh i could answer that in lots of ways i think you know what the besides <laughs> buying a land rover <laughs> well, that, we all. Sure. Um, if you want to be a good mechanic by so that's right rover, exactly yeah. you know what let's take what i do for a business and put that aside for mm-hmm. a second because i don't want it to sway um, people's opinion sure. on what my answer might be but i honestly think that I think one of the biggest mistakes that I see is lack of education. People spend good money on the vehicle of they, their choice. Mm-hmm. Then they spend mm-hmm. even more good money, hard, hard-earned money, 
on all the stuff to go on it yeah. or in yeah. it, which is fantastic. And that's the stuff that makes people happy. That's the stuff that people everybody loves. Max tracks. See that makes them more comfortable yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Um, the extra fridge or the Gotta lights that. or yeah. Yeah. the special stove, whatever it might be, the stuff that people <laughs> buy to be comfortable. Yeah. But I mm-hmm. think people miss the beat in when they spend. I don't know. Let's just say thirty to hundred and something thousand dollars yeah. on their vehicle. Mm-hmm that they now have this asset and they don't necessarily know how to keep it as safe as they could do in terms of driver skill. Right. So I think that's one, that's one part. And I think that's kind of related in terms of the way with their driver technique, you'll see stuff getting broken out on the trail through sadly poor driver education, poor driver Mm -hmm. technique. And I think Mm -hmm. that is a piece that is missed by lots of people. Then I think the other one is education, in terms of things like tread light. Right. And I mean, yeah. it's a huge topic yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, it's been an ongoing topic. I think there's a lot of people who really do a lot of good and there's a lot of great knowledge out there, but I think there's that knowledge could be spread even further. And I say that because we all love public lands. Mm-hmm. And in terms mm-hmm. of recreation, the more we can look after and be respectful to our public lands and share that message, the longer those public lands are going to be available right. to us. So those are probably two of my first answers. In terms of actual skills, throttle control, mm-hmm. tire placement are probably the two biggest things that we see typically. Meaning that people just love okay. to just jam on the throttle and uh, or what? Uh, Sadly, yeah, yeah. that is a go-to. And people do that, especially maybe not by intention, but people have learned to do that when they get nervous. Oh, right. Yeah, sure, sure. And typically, lots of throttle is not always your friend. (laughs) The circumstances in certain terrain where it is definitely an assistance, but it's typically not your friend. But it sounds so good when you say when in doubt, throttle. (laughs) That's right. It just just sounds You just keep digging those tires down until they find something (laughs) to grab onto. (laughs) Well, that's it. It does everything from... No. <laughs> reducing mechanical sympathy yeah. it keeps the trails in great shapes i mean what more can, what we, more say? can we say yeah exactly of course. well that's great so so the follow-up to that question is what are some bad habits that you see experienced drivers developing complacency oh interesting yeah complacency mm. yeah we'll do it always I do be it myself we've sure, all yeah. done it yeah. mm-hmm. you'll do it on the highway you'll be driving this afternoon from wherever to wherever yeah. and i guarantee if you sit there pragmatically you will have made a couple of mistakes on your driving sure. just because you're in a zone somewhere right. else or thinking about this or you're complacent. It happens. We're mm. just humans at the end of the day. Yep. But a mm. lot of errors on the trails from experienced folks, in my opinion, are complacency or self-confidence. Right. Maybe not good focus self-confidence. <laughs> That's right. How many times have we heard this vehicle is of... unstoppable and then you see it rolling yeah, back down the trail. Uh, yeah, this is not. Yeah. I'm an amazing driver. Right, right. <laughs> or I'm so A little bit of Dunning-Kruger going on there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right on. Very, Very cool. cool. So those, those are good questions. I and mean, I think it's um, it varies for us. Yeah. Depends on whether it's recreation or industry. Mm-hmm. The majority of our work, probably 95% is industry. So there's different challenges between the two. Sure. Um, in terms of the way the vehicle usage and the, the, the training sort of happens. But in, in reality, a recreational versus a industry vehicle all travels the same. Physics is physics, but it's just different thought processes mm-hmm. and ethics. Mm-hmm. I don't know. A rented vehicle travels a little differently. If you know what Only I mean. if you've ticked all the boxes. Yeah, you, got, you go that full insurance and take out the uh, ABS fuse and you're good to go. That'd be uh, fantastic. Yeah, you know? I mean, I, I, I've driven... 
off-road for a lot of my mm-hmm. life. I lived in Iceland for Norway. Oh, cool. Oh, sorry. Lived in Iceland and Norway for two yeah. years um, in each place. So I got to spend lots of time off-road there. And just the nature of what I was doing recreationally all over the world gave me this ability to be in or need to be in forward roads to get to certain places. But it, it was only really when I became involved with the Land Rover experience right. that I really started to learn the nuances of, of these techniques. Mm-hmm. I mean... People like Bob Burns and, I mean, the, the, the short list of people that are absolute icons and absolute huge mentors that have allowed me to get to where I am. I mean, Daphne Green, yeah. Jim Sweat, Jim West, uh, John, oh, Sean Gorman, yeah. Fred Monzi, Don Baker, Don Floyd, Lee McGee, all the iconic sort of 4x4 totally people. Totally agree. In every case with Jim Sweat, they're I the, totally agree. Uh, those guys are... Uh, oh, my gosh. Amazing guy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but they're the people... Um, and Fred Monson. Yeah, Fred is great. The two of them so, actually are, are a lot of fun together. We spent time with uh, both of them together. together, and they are, yeah, they are the uh, Stetler and Waldorf of, of off-roading a little bit. I, I love those guys. <laughs> Absolutely. I love and death. they've got so much yeah. experience, more experience than people can really understand. Yeah. But the thing that they knocked into me for years was that you don't need much throttle. Throttle mm-hmm. control and line choice mm-hmm. and good technique will always win through. And that was the really amazing part of what the Land Rover experience does. Right. You can take amazing stock vehicles on street tires to epic places. I mean, those guys have guided vehicles in Moab and across Colorado and further afield. Range Rovers on 20-inch tires on street tires <laughs> yeah. on some of the most iconic trails in, in those places with ease mm-hmm. purely by good driver technique. Right. And people will look at those kind of stock vehicles and be like, you can't do that with that. Yeah, right. It's not modified. Doesn't have big rubber tires yeah. on it. Yeah, you can when you know what you're doing with the good with the good techniques. So they're they're iconic for those skills, and I wish more people would see some of those skills and experience some of those skills because I think it would help people's personal driving ethics right. and ability to enjoy their vehicle in amazing to, places. to have a good time yeah and not get mm-hmm. you know, not get bound up on something right away yeah or, oh that's great that's great advice so so chris then for you know for somebody that maybe has just entered this arena of having you know maybe they did go buy themselves an early christmas present of a <laughs> you know maybe it's a land rover maybe it's not but like if they wanted to you know start developing these skills what would be mm-hmm. What's the first step? Like, how do you how do you get there? You know what? I would personally find an organization or a trainer mm-hmm. that can help you with developing those skills. And that's often a tricky process in itself. Personally, if it was me, I would look at something like taking a class with Land Rover Experience yeah. or Bronco mm-hmm. Off-Rodeo. One of those vehicle manufacturers, I mean, they're a little biased towards their own vehicles, of sure. course. But typically, they have more ability to put organization and money into to good training. After that, find a good trainer. And that's a really tricky thing to do. There's lots of amazing people out there from lots of walks of life, lots of background. Who would you recommend? Oh, gosh, that's a tough question. <laughs> someone, someone like, uh, if you were to put me on the, on the spot, yeah. let's just say the U.S., because you guys are based in the U.S., um, I would say Nina Barlow yeah. or Jim West. Or Jim West, yeah. Or any other guys nice. who teach for the Land Rover Experience but run their own personal training sure. classes. Yeah. There's lots of different people out there. But do your due diligence. Make sure that they have the experience. And then the other part that that misses a good amount of time is make sure they have relevant insurance. Make mm. sure that you're protected, they're protected. Make sure they have the ability and good, safe operating procedures and emergency plans in place so that you know you're going out there and you're being looked after 
in every aspect, legally, financially, and mechanically and personally. That is a great advice. That is something you probably don't think about really either when you're going out. You just sort of assume if people mm-hmm. are doing that sort of thing that they're that they're properly mm-hmm. insured for it. Okay. Well, as we're starting to wrap up here, I think we would be remiss if we didn't ask you, as we sort of let off with, um, you find yourself in different parts of the world, it seems, on a near-day basis. You know, you just listed like seven places you've just been and are going, but not the least of which is the Midwest. So what what takes you to all of these places you know do you have different families in every place that think you're a different guy is that accent (laughs) real what yeah yeah why 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 are you traveling the world my gosh most of it's most of it's work just the diversity of what my company does as we we operate in lots of different environments um i mean this year alone i was in morocco with an expedition with some guiding there with some exploration there as we with the transglobal car expedition which is a really interesting expedition um doing some consultancy Mm -hmm. with them with some vehicle manufacturers the rebel rally overland expo i mean the list goes on and on and on yeah it's it's predominantly work but of course i get to spend a little bit of time enjoying myself to and from those places a couple of trips to arizona in my personal vehicle down the oregon coast so as much as it might be work with industry predominantly it's there's there's opportunities for me to see some pretty amazing places but really i kind of get my fill of off-road driving and terrain through the rebel route (laughs) right i mean i probably drive 22 2500 miles off-road in some of the most iconic scenery on that program alone let alone the other stuff I do. So So when you go on vacation, you just like to go into a mall and just sit in the food court and have a Sabaro pizza or something, like something very pedestrian. (laughs) Something like that. I'll go skiing or I'll go to the water somewhere or I'll I'll go – you know what? Honestly, these days, I'll go back to the UK and I'll spend it with my family and I'll go to a proper English park, go to a climbing (laughs) cottage in North Wales, and I'll just do – grassroots enjoying history and culture i love castles and all that kind of stuff i I try and remove myself from the four by four world when i can for a personal holiday because it's just i just need that breath of (laughs) something different change of scenery that being said i don't ever get complacent to where i go and what i do but i i only get those opportunities because of those mentors that started my career 11 years ago and without them I don't get these opportunities. Right, so right. there's some gratitude and grace to what I do, and I don't ever forget. Well, that. and I'm sure you were that person to many others uh, coming up underneath you now as well. And and certainly with the uh, Overland Expo, with the Rebel, with uh, your own training, everything that you give back to yeah. the community there, it's, uh, it's certainly greatly appreciated. Uh, having folks invest in themselves and not just in their Max Tracks, I think is maybe the advice of the year. I think that's something that a lot of people don't think about, that you can prepare your vehicle all you want, but if you're not prepared, then it, it doesn't matter. You know, it's as cliche and as ironic as it sounds, a little bit of investment into yourself and some education or your group with some education will often, not always, <laughs> but often save you money in the long yeah. run, which will allow you to go on that extra trip, have some more fuel money, buy that extra piece of kit right. that you've been waiting to save up for. Right. So as much as it seems that outlay of 
several hundred thousand dollars for the education, you'll probably recoup that fairly quickly and be able to use it elsewhere. That's several hundreds or thousands of dollars, not several hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> for a well, moment, it depends on the vehicle you buy. I mean, you several are in North America, It's Orlando, true. I mean, the whole package all in. Yeah, maybe. Absolutely. Well, no, that's great. And, I, you know, obviously a ton of our listeners are super involved in their local Land Rover clubs and are kind of providing that grassroots system. And, you know, for those folks that aren't yeah. a part of a Land Rover club, go find one, you know, before it finds you. But uh, there are they're always great, strange, eccentric people with a bunch of shitty old Land Rovers that are more than happy to include you. And uh, this one. Hey, wait a minute. Except for Ike, who is not, <laughs> who is very much against the idea of people uh, buying Land Rovers uh, because he knows. It's well, a you, cautionary but, tale but, up there, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But on that note, I mean, you, you just mentioned old Land Rovers. Don't forget as much as there's a stigma in what some of the, the new stuff looks like. Don't forget how amazing a modern vehicle right. is and don't forget how amazing those modern Land Rovers are. They may be a little more shiny, a little sure. more rounded, unibody, mm -hmm. but they're exceptionally capable, as Jenna can attest That's exactly to. right. Maybe more than any, uh, you know, maybe more than any. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. <laughs> they never made anything good after 1958. Chris, Nothing. Chris, did you have a hand in some sort of uh, in the kind of development of that a little bit or testing of it? The new Defender? No, I, no, I've never done. I've personally never, never done some testing, but people like Sean Gorman and Handle mm -hmm. those Land Rover experience mm -hmm. folks have. I've spent lots of time mm -hmm. on the mobile Land Rover team mm -hmm. with press events, mm -hmm. consumer ride and drives, vehicle launches, photography videography and that kind of stuff but it's the people like sean who are the people who spend time with engineering so but, so we get to hear that information directly from from the internal parts and then there's people like sarah batten in the uk who was mm -hmm. head of training mm -hmm. and she now has a new role so there's lots of ways that we get inside information from the company to learn about this cool stuff all right. Well, it wouldn't be a, a an underpowered hour interview if it didn't end up with the world's most difficult skill testing lightning round questions. Let's see. You know, I think we had our writers develop some questions specifically mm -hmm. for you. Chris. Oh my gosh! So are you familiar with the Are you familiar with a lightning round? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> you are. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, then I, I won't tell you, but for our listeners, I'll say that it's a series of brief questions with gut reaction answers. So you'll be presented with two options and, you know, the the, the one that most suits your proclivities, uh, you should you should respond with that. Are you ready? Sure. Ready as I can right. be. Deep breath. Here we go. <laughs> All right. Question one, soft top or hard top? All right. Question two, gasoline or diesel? Diesel, 100%. Or electric, I suppose. Ooh, electric's good. I prefer diesel. <laughs> diesel. All right. It's got All a right. good smell. Manual or automatic transmission? Short answer. Ooh. It's difficult. It's difficult. Quick, quick answers. Old Land Rover, manual, new car, auto. Okay. Kind of a cop out. Kind of a All cop right, out. Fine. We'll, 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 we'll allow it. We'll allow it. We'll allow it. We'll get. Yeah. We'll give it to you. All right. Half point. Tangier's orange, or bronze green. Green, hundred <laughs> percent. All right. And the best way to remove gear oil from your underpants. Don't, because you're going to get more on on it. Just anyway. let it ride. I like it. 
So yeah, just leave just it. Leave it. Just exactly. leave right. All right. Wolf's proof lubrication. All right. I like it. Five for five. That is the correct Land Rover score. 100%. Well done. Yeah, well done. And uh, Chris, hey, thanks for the time. We really appreciate it. It was great chatting with you. And please come on again at some point in the future as we, we got through about three of my 300 questions. And uh, hey, let's, uh, let's go drive some shitty old Land Rovers sometime. So if you find yourself in Oregon or Los Angeles, come on down and we'll, we'll hang out for sure. We will be down there next year, 100% with Expo and a bunch of other stuff. So let's well, we'll meet up then. We'll do, we'll do some pleasure. on-site at the Overland Expo for sure. We'll do some, we'll do some content. 100%. Yeah. Let's All right, sir. Well, thanks again. Thank and you, uh, yeah, be well. You too. Thank you, guys. All right. Well, man, I really hope we do get to do something with Chris soon. I hope we get to go camping or uh, snowmobiling or we didn't even talk about the fact that he does like snowmobile training. Like uh, <laughs> I, I completely forgot. But I also thought that everybody lived in Canada did that. Yeah, kind of. I mean, we don't really need training. Okay. We. I was going right. to joke that in the UK, uh, everybody is born with one of those little safety vests. Uh, I think in Canada, everybody is born with a set of snowmobile keys. It's just sort of, you know, they weigh you and they, uh, you know, they put the little blanket around you and then they just tuck in a little a set of snowmobile keys. So is there a map that I can view where the term snowmobile and where the term oh. snow machine, snow machine is used? or skidoo? Uh, quite frankly, where I'm from, we call them skidoos. It's just skidoos? nobody knows what you're talking about when you say skidoo. So yeah, yeah, because it's a yeah. ski. Well, it's a, I, I was ski-do, but uh, just like a sea do, but we say skidoo for some reason, like one word. We got to have that map. That, that map's going to be in the show. Yeah, notes, we're gonna, so look out. For yeah, that. We're going to get Chat GPT on generating that map for us right now. <laughs> see what it uh, see what it comes up with. But uh, yeah, that was super fun, and uh, we'll definitely head. What a great guy! Oh yeah, for sure. We're going to do something at Overland Expo. We're going to do. Uh, something with uh, Chris and uh, we'll make sure we make that content available to the world is I don't know why but that's what we do speaking of content available to the world if you haven't checked out our YouTube channel yet uh, head on over there there's some really cool stuff there's uh, fixing stuff there's tool stuff there's travel stuff there's the video version of this podcast so you can see what everybody looks like don't do that yeah you can especially <laughs> Linus uh, episode specific Linus uh, winching uh, demo Linus and Ike uh, demo the uh, hydraulic winch in a, a series car, which a lot of people haven't uh, seen and is really cool. We're going to do the capstan soon. Yep, absolutely. And mm -hmm. uh, there's tip-top tarp tips on there. Uh, you know, if uh, mm -hmm. you want to look at those, Jenna has uh, created some incredible tarp fashion. And uh, you can check it out on the uh, YouTube there. <laughs> look at Ike modeling all the different... Uh, all yeah, the different you could even own some of it. You could if you want. Yeah, we're going <laughs> <laughs> to... Yeah. Well, everybody enter the Seek Safe. Otherwise, we're going to send you some tarp clothes that Ike wore in the woods. So... You know, enter that sweepstakes. And uh, great. if you're looking for that uh, perfect uh, gift, tarp or not, for uh, a family member that, uh, you know, maybe you don't really care for that much, head on over to the Underpowered Hour store. It's got uh, all kinds of Tiny Ike uh, merchandise. We've got uh, stickers and books and uh, all kinds of things. You should also, uh, you know, we could at some point maybe even do some sort of raffle or prize or... I don't know, something for, uh, I know there's a, a Defender Trophy vest at our house that, you know, mm. could be a really great, uh, you know. It's true. And I it is team nine. Buddy, <laughs> I can attest to that. Uh, at one point, Ike was uh, just uh, just drenched in sweat as we walked around the entire perimeter of an off-road park for the better part of a day. Hey, you know what? <laughs> Get on over to the old uh, YouTube very soon for that video as well. Our new editor, Phil, is uh, hot on the trail of the both Destination Defender and Defender Trophy 
videos. So uh, make sure you head over to that. Otherwise, uh, great to see you two as uh, always. And uh, hope uh, everything's wonderful up there in the uh, beautiful state of Oregon. And talk to you guys next week. All right, Stephen. See you soon. Ciao. The Underpowered Hour is produced by Liza Barris, Ike Goss, and me, Steve Barris. Pavel Svartov composed and performed our theme music. Consider supporting the show on Patreon, and if you already do, thank you. Your support makes the show possible. For even more, check out our Instagram or Facebook.